My name is Katrina Irwin, and welcome to House on Fire. When I was a senior in college, I read a book that changed my life. It was about climate change. It wasn't about the impacts to the climate crisis, though. It was about the solutions that exist and are ready to be implemented. I truly believe that the solution to the climate crisis is advocacy and education. The wheels of industry are turning. Methane has a lifetime of maybe a decade in the atmosphere. Net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. Build back better, blah, blah, blah. In the United States, scientists found that streets in poor areas were up to three to 10 degrees Celsius hotter. Of course, we can still turn this around. It is entirely possible. I'm no longer a recent college graduate. I'm now 25 and a program manager with the Clio Institute. I'm a lifelong Miamian, and I am so excited for you all to welcome my co-host and lifelong Floridian, Glennis Navarrete. Hello, everyone. It's so nice to be here. I am 28 years old with my degree in environmental science. I am currently the schools and youth programs associate program manager for the Clio Institute, and I couldn't be more dedicated to fighting this good fight with you all. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to House on Fire. Our guest today is taking her climate activism to new heights with her unique fusion of comedy, music, education, and advocacy. She currently has over 140,000 followers on her social media platforms, where she creates viral conservation bangers, such as her latest hit, Wet Ass Planet, that helped to promote the importance of taking care of our planet. Today, we have eco-rapper Hilla the Killa in the building, and we couldn't be more excited and to dive into all the incredible things that she's accomplishing. Hilla, we are so happy to have you here today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. So, Hilla, you're getting a lot of people's attention and motivating them to join more on conservation efforts and ultimately like getting them to fight back against climate change. So kind of what I mentioned before, like a huge part of the work that you do is you dress up as the planet. Actually, before I even like knew too much about your work, since Glennis and I do a lot of like eco work, our friends used to send us videos of you and they would be like this you. Oh yeah, oh my, my fiance yes. sends me all your videos and he was like, look, oh my God, look what she's doing. And I'm like, yes, this go <laughs> off, I love it. And it's super entertaining and obviously like captures a lot of people's attention. So I kind of want to hear about like how you even got started on this idea. What made you decide to get dressed up as Mother Earth and rap? And what was your big debut and how did that look like? Sure. So I've actually been performing as an eco rapper for many years alongside one of my music collaborators, Nathan, Nathanology, Nathan mm -hmm. Dufour. And so we go, we have a group called Nate and Hilla, and there's a lot of eco rap songs associated with our group, um, specifically the compost anthem, which is, you know, a really big, amazing song, like a New York City compost anthem. Mm -hmm. um, but we were dressing up as like poops and seahorses <laughs> and... Uh, what else do we have? We have lots of different costumes for different occasions. We were trees. We So, you know, dressing up as these um, ecological symbols has just been kind of part of the repertoire for many years. And mm -hmm. we did a show at Caveat, which is a science uh, entertainment venue in, in the Lower East Side in New York City. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a show called Eco Trippin'. 
And we wanted to introduce the concept of Earth as a rapper. Mm -hmm. So we had a song that was like, if Mother Earth could rap, you know, what would she say? Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, so somebody needs to be the Earth. Who's going to be the Earth? And Nate was just like, I think it should be you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was like, you know, I think so too. I think I should be the Earth. And so we kind of just conceived of the costume and put it together. And then we did it. And it it was great. And that wasn't like even the really big debut as of me as the earth. I mean, it was, but it wasn't, it, it didn't like make such a huge splash as like when I went out um, alone uh, to Times Square, for example, and did Wet Ass Planet. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of like my first, first viral video. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really landed for me where I was like, oh, I should really just be performing as the earth. I should make the earth like this huge persona. And um, yeah, that's kind of been taken off for about a year. That's so cool. So when you did Wet Ass Planet in Times Square, did you do it for a strike or did you just decide to show up in the middle of Times Square one day and like hang out with like Elmo and the gorillas and everything? <laughs> yeah, I um, I just went there. I was actually visiting um, this zero waste uh, store pop up at Bryant Park uh, mm-hmm. called Ecosphere. And they were just like had a little pop up store. And so I was showing up to like perform there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I did a little performance at Bryant Park. And then I was like, hey, uh, to ask the, you know, my friend Arisa if she wanted to come with me to Times Square to do a little performance. And then we just kind of went there and did it. And it was really funny because my speaker just wasn't working at all. Uh-huh. And I was having all these issues. And But like seeing me deal with the speaker and, and how it wasn't working, I kept starting and stopping. And, you know, during this time, a crowd had a, accumulated to see what was going to happen. And then I finally got it to work. And I got it to work for one song for Wet Ass Planet. <laughs> and... And then it just started pouring, like immediately after oh I God. finished, it started the earth raining. It was so what for you? She loved it. <laughs> oh my God. Like, yeah, it was so funny. So everyone dispersed and I like covered up my speaker and ran out of there. Um, but that was a really magical moment because um, that woman came and danced with me in that video. We got like a beautiful <laughs> eight second clip of that experience. And yeah, it went viral and it was, it was really cool. So I just want to say that I'm completely here for it. (laughs) I love this. I've been so excited to have you. And, you know, I just love all the silly ways people get involved into just their activism. And, you know, maybe there's people out there that wouldn't have cared to, like, check out that new NPR segment, you know, and they're out here listening to you. And you're really, you know, educating people in a fun way. And I'm all here for it. Um, (sighs) That being said, there there has to be an initial reaction when people (laughs) see you walking in in a planet earth costume. Like I want to know what your friends originally thought, what your family thought, and then just that (laughs) feedback that you've been getting from fans. Yeah. I, I get a great reaction. I mean, I think people generally love the earth Mm -hmm. and it's a really silly, big costume. Kids really love to like hug it. Like people come and hug me people, you know, I just see a lot of smiles um, it's kind of goofy, you know, when I'm performing, I'm like bouncing around it's like this bouncy <laughs> earth and I don't know, my family loves it. Everybody loves it. You know, we're all rooting for the earth. So I kind of feel like I'm a advocate and representative of something that we all are, which is the earth. You know, it's like a mirror. It's like, hi, I'm the earth, but that's just showing you that you are also the earth. And I'm hoping that people get that when they see me because they can see themselves in the earth as well. And it's a positive 
uh, experience and it's a lot of positive feedback. That's beautiful. Can you tell me more about how you made your costume? Did you make it yourself? Like what materials do you use for it? The costume is made out of like an inflatable that um, is the base. It's sort of like the sumo wrestling game or something. It has arm holes, a leg leg hole and a head hole. Um, it's like six panels that I have to inflate. And then on top of that is a shell that we sew together from spandex. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's really durable. It's been, you know, I've been using the same shell for this whole time that we've been performing with it. The interior sometimes gets holes that I need to patch up or I need to buy a new inflatable. I am looking into making like a more uh, eco-friendly, lightweight, uh, plastic-free earth. Uh, that's definitely a work in progress. But um, right now, this version is is doing me pretty good and it's pretty durable. Yeah. And even then, I mean, this is a legit ass costume. Like, <laughs> yeah. You have to inflate it, carry this around. I bet you it's yeah. not light, you know, or it could be lighter, it's but <laughs> it's heavy. It could be. It could be lighter. <laughs> it could be light. It could be lighter. It's not too heavy, but it is. It's definitely heavy, and, it, and I roll it around in a little suitcase. Well, props to you. Did you make it? You made it yourself, right? I all my costumes are collaborations with okay. other people, except for maybe like the poop emojis and a few other <laughs> little cardboard things that I've made just on my own. But um, me and my uh, my friend Joy, um, who who goes by Joyfully, are. Um, she, uh, she, she helped me sew that the shell together. I, I cut out the continents. Well, shout out to joy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, shout out to joy. <laughs> Definitely. So the reason I asked you that question is because I saw that you have done theater growing up. So mm -hmm. I just like assume that because of that, like you have like a very, you know, you've done a lot of like costume design and everything. And like, I've done theater as well. And I've noticed that so many people that I meet that are really strong climate activists have this really strong theater background. Yeah, have you, have you yeah. noticed that correlation? You know, I have actually, I guess I, I never thought about it before, but I know a lot of theater people who are also really involved in climate. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Why do you think that sure. is? Well, I think being someone who's into theater, um, I can only really speak for myself, but mm -hmm. my passion for performing and for being out in front of an audience comes from like a desire to entertain and bring joy. And mm -hmm. so I think when that's something that you're passionate about, like your purpose on earth is to be like a clown or to be a performer, an mm -hmm. actor, to create a moment for other people to experience uh, emotions. And so, you know, when you, I think we all are kind of like climate activists somewhere, you know, yeah. and it's, it's just easier maybe to access that as an artist um, and especially as a performer when it's like, okay, my, my life's purpose is to come out here and perform for you all. And so what is going to make that the most meaningful? Mm -hmm. And when, when it's about the planet, when it's about our collective, you know, experience here on earth as human, pe as human people, but also as non-human creatures and entities and mm -hmm. life forms, you know, there's a lot of material there. And, and also the access point, like we want to engage with people and we want to create experiences that they'll remember um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really sure why a lot of theater people would be so heavily involved in the climate, mm -hmm. but I assume that it has to do with finding something that brings them joy mm -hmm. and realizing that the only place that that can exist is on planet earth. Yeah. And I feel like another thing as well is like the theater and like community has always been like so inclusive 
And mm-hmm. I really think because of that, like a lot of the people that are a part of that, like really just understand like socioeconomic issues and the need for justice. And at the very front of all of that, there's climate justice, you know, kind of like what I was thinking about earlier when you were saying that, like when you're wearing your earth, when you're wearing your earth suit and it's like hot and heavy, that's very much like how the earth is feeling right now. <laughs> yeah. Like it's very yeah, like, deep. yeah, very deep and metaphorical, but it's true. I like really sweating in it. So I'm like, oftentimes it's <laughs> like, I'm so hot, you guys. <laughs> it's like really real. Yeah. Um, but it, I love what you said. That's really true. I think that, you know, theater is inclusive and, you know, people from all backgrounds and light, walks of life and ages participate in theater and, that's a great reason for for people to seek out, you know, social justice within that. And it's definitely brilliant, a a great way to engage with people, like I said, that normally probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. care because, um, you know, sometimes people need a little bit more of a visual, a little more of a laugh, you know? (laughs) And like, I'm big on with photography, you know? I feel like if people get to see all of these images, you know, these poachers out here, climate impacts out there, you know, they really start making that correlation like, oh, shit, like this is real, you know, and the same thing that you're doing, you're going out there, you're making it fun for people, you're making people care. And I I think we need more of that in this world, more people like you to get people to like get shooketh to their core. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, thanks. I I really hope that that's what's happening. I, I definitely love bringing joy into the climate movement. Um, I love the earth. I love being on earth. And I really hope that other people feel that and take it and, and, you know, just do something. You know, I always tell people like anything that you love to do, just do what you love and do it for the earth. And like another thing too, is it's like not just doing it for the earth, right? Like no matter what happens at the end of the day, earth is going to survive the people that aren't going to survive are the people and the creatures on this planet and that's something that i really think people need to understand like we're going to be the ones that have to deal with extreme heat we're going to be the ones that have to deal with like disasters from hurricanes and everything and i really think like just having people like understand that especially through the power of like social media like you're doing is so important yeah, I'm actually coming out with a song called Save the Humans. I love that. And it's like associated with a nonprofit called Save the Humans um, that have commissioned me to do this. But it's a really cute mission because it's exactly what you said. It's like, you know, the earth will be here. The earth is a spinning rock, you know. But at the same time, like if we think about it philosophically, if we do really believe that we are the earth and there is no separation between humans and the earth, then saving the earth is saving us. And um, there's a notion, you know, that humans are bad for the planet, but that's a really new idea because for as long as we've been here, we've been participating in the creation of ourselves and the, you know, management and facilitation of other plants and life forms. We've been creating environments and ecosystems that benefit everybody. Um, And this is something that you can really see in a lot of indigenous practices throughout Mm -hmm. the world of how we as humans, you know, uh, manipulate landscapes to foster more life. And that's something that I think that we can really get back to. I think that's something that we can figure out again and relearn and understand how we, um, you know, not just affect the planet, but how we are the planet and how when we do good for ourselves, we're doing good for the planet Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Yeah, you definitely do a good job when it comes to connecting those dots. Um, You know, just by watching your videos on TikTok, on Instagram, you make it 
very easy for people to relate. Like we're all the same. We're all one, you know? And that being said, your social media presence has Mm -hmm. impacted so many people. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, has anyone reached out to you and maybe given you or, or said that you're the reason why they've joined the climate movement or they've learned something new? Yeah, I get a lot of messages like that. Um, I get a lot of messages about people telling me that they, you know, that it, it helps them work through their climate anxiety or that it brightens up their day. I've also gotten messages that people bring their own cups now to get their coffee because of me, because of the content that I put out. They think about things more. They've learned more things. Um, and I, I love that kind of feedback. I really appreciate it because it helps me know that like, it's working and that what I'm doing is actually reaching people and making a difference in their lives. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And you also mentioned in a prior interview that like growing up, you didn't really have a lot of access to nature because you grew up in Mm -hmm. New York City and going to the Catskills for the first time. I I really, I really loved reading that interview because I just thought it was (laughs) like, so like, it was really that aha moment that you really got to experience that motivation the first time you got to go outside in nature because that's kind of how you realize that's what you're here to protect. And what yeah. I always think about all the time, and sometimes I'll like cry about this, but it's so <laughs> sad because we might be the last generation that gets to experience the planet for what it is right now. You know, I think that, I think that that moment was really impactful for me as a child. You know, I was like 14 mm-hmm. and not having any, seen any like real forest before not being able to have gone into a forest in my life. You know, that was pretty intense. And like, it, it did open up my eyes, but I also really didn't acknowledge how much that, how important that was until even later in life. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people grow up around trees and around nature um, and they don't even realize it. They don't like, take it for granted. You know, mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, this is just the reality. You know, I live in a thick forest and a forest town or some like rural suburb. And, you know, for someone who doesn't even have a city tree where I grew up um, in my block uh, in Soho, I appreciate all the little bits of nature that I can get. And nature kind of comes in all sorts of forms, you know, even the city is nature Mm -hmm. and all the people here, they're nature. And so I really, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by what we can create. And I try really hard to like kind of let go of feelings of, um, of sadness or like doubt, um, or hopelessness around what has been destroyed and what's never going to be again, mm-hmm. because that's in the past and there's nothing really that we can do about that. We can only go forward and try to create as many green spaces as we can. We can only plant more forests and build more communities and have more rooftop gardens and plant more trees. And that's really what we need to all be focusing on, you know, just making it re- become alive again and, um, and fixing the destruction and, and replanting and, and growing yeah. from here. I completely agree with that. Like we really need to be focusing a lot more on smart cities because not over, not only is it like better for the planet and allowing people to have green spaces, it makes air quality better. It also takes away urban heat island effects. So those are all really yes. important. But yes, and 50% of the world's population lives in cities. Yeah. So Which that's is- a lot of people. <laughs> it's like, what is that? That's like... Four billion people live in cities. There is a way to coexist peacefully with all of the mm-hmm. solutions that are already out there in making our cities better and making just 
a more equitable and just sustainable you know lifestyle mm-hmm. for everyone um i just think that we need to all wake up and mm-hmm. really make that happen so um with that Absolutely. being said i mean you like you said you had your aha moment you know when you first came out and had your nature experience and I want to know if you have, do you partner with any groups that maybe take out young people into nature for a day? Do you have any plans on maybe giving another, you know, student or just youth um, in general that opportunity to to also have their first aha moment? Yes, I would absolutely love that. That sounds like something that's totally up my alley. I'm actually um, talking to some people in LA about taking a group of kids out to nature and performing for them. I like linked up with someone who does that already. That's like their job. They take out kids. Did you link up with Patagonia? Um, yeah. And Patagonia actually reached out to me about doing something in New York. So that's on the docket. Yeah. I'm like really excited to finally meet Patty. Like I, you know, we've, yeah, we've just uh, been communicating online, um, I've been a big, big fan for a few years now, and so I'm like so excited, super fangirling over here. Um, but we have a we have some like talks about a collaboration to do a song together, and also I really I might come perform um, at this like nature walk that they are uh, producing in New York. So that's going to be super exciting. Do you um, have yeah, so any plans of coming out to Miami anytime Yeah, soon? you have friends in ah! Miami now, so let's hang out. <laughs> yes, take me to Miami. Hey. I love that. I actually, you know, it's really funny because I grew up, you know, not too far. We were on the East Coast. And I uh, never, I've never been to Florida until last year. <laughs> what? You got to see it before it sinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my, I went to Miami for the first time in December and then of last year. And then again, I was in the... Where was I? I was in Sarasota um, in February. And yeah, I I love Florida and I would really love to come back and do more shows. So yeah, now I I just bought a car. So I'm going to be able to road trip and tour more. So please, yeah, let's let's plan something. I would love to do a little Florida tour. No, that would be so much fun. But you mentioned Sarasota and Sarasota Mm -hmm. is one of the most beautiful places in Florida, in my opinion, and Mm -hmm. really got messed up over Hurricane Ian. Oh, my God. I had no idea. So, well, as you know, Hurricane Ian landed in Florida and it served as a powerful yet unfortunate reminder that the climate emergency should be on everyone's radar. Uh, Climate change Mm -hmm. is creating more destructive hurricanes. And, you know, we're really seeing the impact of that. Unfortunately, we're the ones that suffer when it comes to all of the, you know, detrimental um, effects that we're seeing from just warmer temperatures, from sea level rise, you know, everything that comes with the climate crisis. And recently we launched, we launched our Florida campaign. It's called Florida, the emergency state campaign. Uh, it highlights the impacts that us Floridians are witnessing. And, you know, we have a petition in motion. We're collecting signatures to show just how many of us are concerned. You know, there's so many of us that want action now. And, you know, we're, we're creating that momentum behind that petition and i want to know you know i know you're not from florida and you're not in florida but the number one solution to the climate crisis is advocacy and these solutions exist but politicians and corporations they're not implementing them i want to know if you're doing anything out in new york if you're leading any type of advocacy efforts if you have in the past or what your intentions are moving forward yeah i've been a part of a lot of advocacy movements um specifically in new york one of the 
ones I've been most connected to is the Save the Compost movement. The pandemic saw like the New York City municipal composting kind of get shut down. Mm. And um, well, it did, it did get shut down. And then all the community composting sites had to pick up slack, but they were also under a lot of stress and eviction notices and things like that. So we all kind of banded together to show up and try to save our compost. And so, you know, there's that. There's also the um, North Brooklyn Pipeline, which is this like horrible fracked gas pipeline that is being built through Brooklyn from Brownsville all the way to Greenpoint. It's uh, funded by the city. National Hmm. Grid is behind it. And we've been petitioning and trying to get it to get shut down for years. And it's really... Just it feels. I mean, there's been a lot of like successes along the way, but it's it's definitely being built. It's been built. It's underneath us now, um, in Brooklyn. And then there's also the East River Park, uh, which saw you know 700 mature 80 year old trees get cut down this year. Um, one of the biggest uh, you know deforestation projects in the city in decades. And you know it's all for climate resiliency. They claim that they are <laughs> going to you know, elevate the park 10 feet and protect us from from flooding or from, uh, you know, sea level rise. But in reality, they just removed all these trees and those are the biggest protectors of floods. And so, you know, not turning it into a wetland, not really reassessing and understanding what's going on, that was a huge mistake. And it was really sad to see um, a lack of advocacy, a lack of, you know, people really coming through to save that park because, you uh, we didn't, we weren't able to save it. You're triggering me right now. (laughs) No, like you really are because like so many people like don't pay attention to local politics. And like kind of my theory of change is I want people to get more involved with local politics because like right now here in Miami, people are trying to pull off the same shit. They're trying to remove mangroves here in Miami, which is like the number one solution when it comes to flooding. And it's just like so upsetting what they're doing. So like, have you engaged a lot with like the city commission in New York City? Personally, I have not. I have okay. I've done not too much like person to person, like talking to politicians, talking to city council members. One one of the council members who's also the chair of the Department of Sanitation, um, or or one of the one of the commissioners is uh, Sandy Nurse, and she's my city council person as well. And she and I have a really good relationship. She taught me how to compost. That's awesome. And I know her personally. But other than her, um, I don't have too much. Like, I have friends who do, who are way more involved and talk to more politicians. But it's kind of hard for me to balance everything and, like, keep all these contacts and, and connect with everybody on a personal level. But I, I would like to. That's yeah. definitely something that I would like to do. And I, I agree. I think local politics is 100% um, a solution to, to be involved and just to know and to also to have more people in local politics, because if that's what's making the decisions on what's happening with our public lands, with our parks, you know, then we need to be there. We need to be involved. We need to know. We need to advocate Mm -hmm. for what we think is right. Yeah, exactly. And like another thing too, like local politics, like that's what you're going to see like right in front of you. And that's like where you're going to be most directly impacted. Like especially like Miami and New York, they are both like ground zero locations for sea level rise. So we really want to like have that revolution in both of those cities. Like we need people to show up to city commission meetings. Absolutely. Like people need to do that. Like yeah. I've gone to so many city commission meetings as well as Dade County meetings. And between you and me, 
they're scared of us when a lot of us come up there because they listen to what we have to say. And like a lot of these politicians that are trying to pass shady things like what you're telling me, they're like, oh, my God, my constituents know about what I'm trying to do. I have to vote yeah. no on this. Yes, exactly. It's 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 so true. We cut, we show up and we say what we really think. I mean, it's, it was really interesting. I did show up to one of the city council, city, the community board meetings for the East River Park demolition. And it was very interesting to see all the different perspectives that people had from the community. Some people were really for the project. Some people were really against it. And it was not a unanimous thing. It was, uh, you know, we have a lot of different perspectives and people really believe that this was going to protect them from sea level rise, mm -hmm. you know, and they were just like, who cares about the trees, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like really hard for them to understand how important the trees were to protect them. But at the same time, you know, it's just, it it is education and it is patience. We have to really un like understand what's happening and, and these kinds of things don't happen overnight, right? So the, the change is incremental and it takes a long time. And mm -hmm. I don't know, people have different priorities. Yeah. An important takeaway for me for all of this is just this little bit that we're hitting right now um, is just don't be afraid. Get out there. A lot mm -hmm. of the times, you know, yes. people think you have to be well spoken and mm -hmm. you know, go out there, tell them, hey, I don't like this because of this and keep it pushing, you know, like don't feel yes. intimidated by these people because they're here for you. And I think that's the biggest thing I can send out to any youth listeners listening to right now or anyone listening, you know. Oh, yes. I love that. And, you know, make it a party, like show up in Ooh. costumes and bring music and make it a parade. Be loud, like be loud. Know, bring megaphones, like mm -hmm. same energy that we do with protests. Bring it to the city board meetings, like bring it to all bring it to these events. Make it like, make it fun, you know, make it an event because then your voice is going to be really heard and it's going to be fun and it's going to be impossible to ignore. Yeah. And we do a lot of that with like our youth advocacy program here in Miami. Like we'll have people come to these city commission meetings and then after like we'll have lunch together, dinner, and it's just a really great way to like debrief and like talk more and like get community throughout yeah. this, this really tough work that we're doing because it is tough work. Yeah, it really is. And I think that the more energy and fun and excitement we can get around it, the better everything will be because yeah, we're, we're building a movement and we love the earth and we want to survive and thrive on it. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen for that to be the case. Well, Hilla, it's been so great having you on the show today. And <laughs> before we wrap up, I just have a very, very serious question to ask you. Don't feel nervous. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you had a magic wand, what would you do to tackle the climate emergency? Wow. wow. How many how many things can I do with this magic Don't wand? Feel so pressured, right? <laughs> um wow, I would retrofit every single building, every single structure into a green earth building and I would house everybody. Every single human should have a home, should have somewhere that they mm -hmm. can feel safe, that they can rest their head. Um, and that would be free and that would be something that people can have access to. And it just happens like that. Boom. Um, You're so sweet. I think that's, I think that's, an, I think that's one of the major things that we need. People need to be rested. They need to feel safe and they need to be, you know, in a healthy environment for them to do this work that we need to do. Um, and then I would, uh, make sure that everything is composted. I would build rooftop gardens, plant a shit ton of trees everywhere uh, fruit trees so that we can 
enjoy delicious fruit and berries. Stop food insecurity. Yeah, I would clean up all the rivers and waterways. I would make sure that we all have access to them, that there's no polluting industries in the riparian zone surrounding water, that we all have access to water. Water is free, food is free, housing is free, and that we all get to, you know, really fulfill our purpose here on earth. And everybody does exactly what they're meant to do. That's that's what I would do with a magic wand. <laughs> I think like what is so beautiful about everything that you just said is it wasn't just like an environmental approach. It was a justice approach. Yeah. And for the longest time, the environmental community has been very white facing. And because of that, it has not had a justice approach. And mm-hmm. I am just so happy that the new generation of climate leaders now, such as, you know, Glennis and I and you and all these other mm-hmm. um, incredible climate leaders, like they know that justice is at the forefront of what we're doing because there is no climate justice without racial and socioeconomic justice. Absolutely. Oh my God, I have goosebumps. (laughs) Katie, it's for the people. We need the people. We need the people to be happy and healthy so that we can do this work of restoring, you know, the life on this planet and the ecosystems that we're a part of. Exactly. We couldn't agree more. Well, Hilla, it was an absolute pleasure to get to meet you today. I'm excited for us to all hang out in Miami. We're going to take photos together. We're going to go snorkeling. It's going to be a great time. Yes, (laughs) bring me to Miami. Yes, but everyone, make sure to check out Hilla on Instagram and TikTok on at HillaTheKilla. And also visit our website to check out our climate emergency campaign at www.cleoinstitute.org slash Florida in emergency to sign our petition. Till next time, everyone. Here at the Clio Institute, we believe that the best way to get people into the climate movement is through education. And one of the best ways to do that is by sharing House on Fire with your friends and family. So don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And House on Fire can be found on all channels where podcasts are available. Mm-hmm.